Welcome to the WeddingBusiness.co podcast. I am Taylor Jackson. Today, I am in Orange County with Paul Giroux. Paul is a really incredible guy. He's been in the photography industry since 1983 and has spent time in pretty much every genre of photography that you could think of. He is really ahead of the curve when it comes to everything in the photography tech industry, and he's turned me on to a lot of the products that I love today. Uh, across the board, from strobes to LED lights to audio recorders, he actually really sees the future of this industry more than anyone that I've personally met in photography so far on my journey. Paul is also a Sony artisan and he almost got me to convert from my Nikon to the A9 earlier this year. Uh, we'll see what happens next year. On to this week's podcast. I'm here with Paul today in your somewhat famous house now. Ah, I know. My somewhat famous house. Yeah. yeah. It was on a Sue Bryce video. So yes. It's um, studio tours. Yeah. I'll tell you, that studio tour was awesome. It happened in February. And it didn't run until July 4th, which was ironic because that's Independence Day in yeah. America. And I really think that Sue's created a lot of independence for a lot of people because of the way she teaches and what she teaches. And so it's funny that it came the timing, but it was also really amazing what's happened as a result of it. The people who've reached out to us, I've gotten so much feedback from that video. It's been amazing yeah. so I'm, I'm really grateful for it because I, I love Sue and her crew and they were so much fun to be with yeah I think it's just crazy how like locally that when you make a video that's I, at least when I've been creating videos I never really think local market and you're having like all kinds of success here in Orange County from a it's just crazy yeah, I know I, I it's, it's funny because I've had a photographer in the area reach out and she wants me to she's a photographer and she wants me to photograph her which I think is wild so but I'm happy to do that. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. Well, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's it's been quite a quite a, a a life because you know growing up in a small town in Wisconsin yeah. and having a dream to be a photographer and travel the world was something that I had since I was 12. And to be able to look back on it now in my 50s and look back on my life and to think, yeah, this job has really taken me all over the world. And now all I'm doing pretty much is taking portraits in my garage. <laughs> 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 so I kind of joke, oh, how the mighty have fallen, but I actually feel like what I'm doing is really, really good work and really meaningful work and useful work and honest work and also beautiful work for the people that I'm photographing, and I'm enjoying it too. Yeah, I love the, um, the flexibility with photography that if you, want to, if you want to travel the world, like you can do that, and you can do that for a couple of years, and if you decide that maybe your love isn't there anymore, that you can refocus and exactly. you have this skill set that... Um, Exactly. That's why I really love photography. I do too. Um, do you want to give a brief little uh, sure. history of yourself as a photographer? Sure. I know there's... Um... Yeah, it's been a while. This is my 34th year being a photographer full-time. I got out of college and went to work for the Chicago Tribune as an intern right after school, two days after I graduated, and I never stopped working. And after 19 years, I left newspapers. And by that time, I was in Arizona at the Arizona Republic, where I'd been for 12 years. And interim... I was in Chicago, then D.C. for five years, covered the Reagan administration, the second half of it, Iran-Contra, 1988 conventions, campaigns, Haiti. And then I realized when I got to be 30, I was like, well, if I stayed in Washington, I would be probably fairly well known as a photographer, but I would be very unsatisfied with the kind of work I was doing, which was a lot of headshots at microphones and I knew I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. So I moved to Arizona because it was totally new and kind of the old go west young man. <laughs> and 
it was great. I mean, it was a little hot, <laughs> but it was a great experience, and it really changed my life in so many levels. I'm glad I did it. But when I, it was time to leave, it was time to leave. But boy, the skills you learn as a news photographer are unmatched because you do everything and you have to do it well. Otherwise, you don't survive. You have to do lighting. You have to do natural light. You have to do portraits. You have to do documentary work. You have to do business portraits. So you work with rich people. You work with poor people. You photograph press conferences. You make copy photographs sometimes. Uh, you know, everything that you can think of in photography, you do as a news photographer. Yeah, and you have really no control over your settings a lot of the time. Sometimes you don't, yeah. It's like if, you're, if something's happening at 2 in the afternoon, like you're shooting 2 in the afternoon. Exactly. You have to learn how to overcome and adapt. And you learn to work with natural light, but you also learn how to work with created light too. So it's a really great skill set for anybody who wants to get into weddings because you do a lot of the same things at a wedding. You shoot a variety of different genres in that same day, but then all of a sudden you have to make great portraits and you have to herd the people and you have to get along with people that are from all different strata of social yeah. it's, uh, climbs. It's really wild. Yeah, I found that um, my kind of background was concert photography and I found a lot of random parallels with that that basically you learn the hardest of kind of all genres of photography or one of the hardest i'm sure there's others that are more difficult but yeah just like low light fast movement um and with a compressed time frame because you've got three songs and you're out (laughs) yeah and i mean that that's the other thing too is when you know that you have to perform and you've got a limited window you have to learn very quickly what works and you have to learn from your mistakes so that you don't do them again the next time you go into it so it's a really great way to kind of it, it's like Groundhog's Day in a way because you're doing the same thing but you're learning and kind of revising what you do and improvising and seeing how people react to what you say it's really kind of the psychology of it's really pretty fun yeah and I think that um, with digital at least that you can make those those pivots on the spot and be like oh this clearly is not working yes. like let's oh. go another direction because with film like you kids these days <laughs> you don't know what it was like to shoot no with film yeah yeah no, boy. i couldn't imagine like even a wedding i'd be terrified to shoot like on film um I'll, I'll do it as like kind of this bonus extra i've gotten back into black and white film but as like you'll learn yeah <laughs> yeah i guess so um but it's I, the one thing that I do love about it is that you send it to a lab and the lab does all your post-production yeah, yeah. and then you get the final versions back. Exactly. Amazing. A scanned version. Yes, a scanned version, mm-hmm. not a... A digital version. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a process. But it does look like... Around. Are you using Triax? Uh, I'm using Ilford 400. Oh, the, okay. which is HP5? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's good. The silver films are really good because they really look amazing Mm -hmm. i mean i learned on triax which is hp5's equivalent there's still to me nothing better than triax and i think um well one thing that i do want to start doing more of is actually printing and i feel like when you print from a negative to um actually like a physical print in that it's um i think it's gonna be a lot more rewarding than um than a digital that I've run like a Visco preset to emulate a film on. Yeah. Um, but just like having the crystals and like, I don't know. I think it's great. Whatever anybody wants to do to keep it exciting and fun. Mm-hmm. 
for me, I shot so much film, the last thing I ever wanted to do <laughs> <laughs> process and print in a dark room. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I set up a dark room in my downstairs bathroom at the house because it was the only place I could get that was dark enough to even make a contact sheet. Yeah. So, no, I don't want to do no, that. Okay. No that's, love for that. I mean, fine. it was beautiful then because that was, that, was that was our D5 of the time yeah. was that technology. But no, no, God, no. But again, like you can, like maybe I'll do yeah. this for a year, maybe, maybe I'll do this for yeah. the next two months, and then yeah. refocus on something else. And hey, but I'm all for what anybody wants to do that they feel is going to be fun for them and make them excited about it. Hey, man, whatever it is, mm-hmm. go for it. And I've noticed that even by doing that, that um, well, one, you learn more about photography, which is right. always a positive thing, and two, it just kind of teaches you a few things to get you a little bit more excited about something, and then. Kind of that spirals and it actually impacts your work in a positive way so the really great thing about film i did a project once where we shot 36 frames on my daughter on the day and it was a film project so we literally scripted out what she did during the day and we set up a, a shot sheet and i photographed her one frame throughout the day yeah so it was basically one frame about every hour two hours and so i went to preschool with her and did it i had i could shoot three frames <laughs> That's it. And the discipline with that is really great. The precision that you have to be with your exposures because you know you can't fudge it too much. Yeah. That's a really big bonus to that film discipline. Yeah. And I do kind of miss that because I haven't done that for my son and I, I feel like I should, but I don't have a film camera anymore. <laughs> so You can pick them up cheap on eBay now. Yeah, the problem <laughs> is, is that I'm shooting email at Sony and I can't get any film cameras that have an email for Sony. Oh. I could get an A mount, like yeah. an old Minolta, because I've got an A mount 24 to 70, and I could do that. Interesting. And I have one EF lens left, and it's a, it's actually a Zeiss manual focus lens, and I'm not going to get rid of that one. But I, I use that on my Sony with an, a little $20 adapter, yeah. so I could probably. But I I just I feel I feel like this loyalty to Sony because they've been so kind to sponsor me and and uh, well. Somebody's here at the door. Let me see who that is. I'll be right back. <laughs> One of those Sue Bryce fans. So as you're saying, Sony, um, yeah, kind enough to sponsor you. Yeah, and I mean, their old A-mount stuff, I, don't have a, I only have one lens. I don't have any A-mount bodies. But I've got a lens that I adapt for E-mount, and it's a fantastic lens, especially for video. And so I'd have to get something that would hold that, and that would be a Minolta, like a Maxim from the 80s or 90s. They're out there, I'm sure. I know, they are. But I just, I feel like, eh, it's a hundred bucks to spend on something that I would maybe use once or twice and then I'd be over it, so. Yeah. One and, of the challenges that I've found is um, that, like, in my city, no one develops film anymore, especially yeah. black and white. So I Are you shipping to Richards? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, they did, I did six rolls. We did a styled shoot um, that was like a Disney theme. Oh, cool. In a cool way. Um, it was Tiana from... Disney Princess Tiana, it was her wedding. Oh. Um, so it'll be out soon, or it might oh, be out neat. now. Um, but Lindsay shot all the photos, and I just oh, hung out and shot some black and white. Because oh, cool. I thought it was basically the anti-Disney thing, because right. like, Disney's all colorful, and I figured that like just go the complete opposite direction, oh, just do like, black and white. So. That's a great idea. I've always thought that there's a book on the people who go to Disney parks. Like oh. a portrait book. Like a, It's kind of like a... Um, that mag Martin Parr. If you like, if Martin Parr went to Disney and photographed it, it'd be like they. And the book would be called Dis Nerds. 
it'd be just like these portraits of them and then a text about what they love about Disney so much. I can find you those people if you want to make that book. I'm sure you could, but I'm I, friends with a lot of them. Because <laughs> you are probably a Disney nerd. Um, by association. Yeah. So, and I mean, I, I think it's great that they love something so much that they, I think it's, you know, like I wouldn't want to, I would want to approach it with real heart and empathy, not to make them look bad. Although I'm sure you probably could if you took that tact, but I just think that it's really neat to see people love something so much that they put so much of themselves into it. Because yeah. you just, when, when you know, it's, it's like when people become fans of a team and they live and breathe and bleed those colors. I think it's great. You know, it's, it's Disney's their team. I know that really That's is pretty cool. I've never put that together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's they have accepted Walt as their personal savior. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I guess getting back to Sony. So yeah. what has been kind of your progression oh. as far as camera technology? Well, I started with film, obviously. Went to manual from manual focus because that's all we had. That was state-of-the-art back in the day. And then in the 80s, Canon came out with an EOS. And so I was one of the first people to buy an EOS camera back in 87. And it was early. And then in 88, they loaned me an, a 3028 on a, on a really bad body. And I was like, oh my God, if this is what it's like on a entry-level body, what's it going to be like on a pro-grade body? And then in 89, they came out with a pro camera, and you knew that that's where the future was, was in autofocus. And they finally slayed the beast about how to do it. And then I, um, newspapers in 1997, and then, well, actually in 94 they were starting to do digital on the wire services. And then by the time it got to 97, we were at newspapers starting to do some digital. And I remember getting a camera plunked down on my desk at the paper in the afternoon. And they said to me, oh, you're going to the U2 concert tonight and you're gonna make page one's photo for tomorrow with this camera, which was a $14,000 Kodak Canon monstrosity that had no back, no extra battery and the crop lines were basically like written with a sharpie inside the viewfinder. It was like, oh my god, this thing is crap. I think it had 1.7 megapixels or 2.1. Floppy disk that you put. No, on? it was. It wasn't Internal that. Numbers. It was. I think it was a micro disk, a okay. micro drive, which were like if you blow on them, they would crack yeah. and collapse. I mean, and you couldn't shoot raw because there was nothing like raw. There was only JPEGs or, or TIFFs, and ironically, camera bits which is photo mechanic, yeah. wrote the software, I believe, for that camera. That's interesting. For the editing. And they're still around today, yeah. and it's still my preferred editing software. Yeah. I see on your videos that you use it, and it's like, once you use photo mechanic, if you're a wedding photographer, you will never want to use anything else. Yeah, you'll save yourself thousands of hours of oh, over. It's just so amazing. Years, for sure. Yeah. And so we got in early. I knew digital was going to be where it was, even though it was so bad back then. And I figured in 1999, oh, film's got another 10 years. But by a, with, within a year, our newspaper had closed our lab. Wow. And it was all digital. So it was, you, you knew it was going fast. That was earlier than I expected it Oh, to yeah. Be. Well, my newspaper was pretty much of an early adopter. They were one of the first offset papers. They were, uh, all, they were one of the first fully paginated newspapers. This was in Arizona. And they did really great color. And it was a great paper for me to be at because... It forced me to do a lot of things like learn how to light, shoot sports with strobe, you know, basketball with yeah. big strobes like SI would shoot. That's what we did. 
because we were trying to shoot it on a hunter speed chrome yeah. slide film and it was great training i mean un unbelievable training but after 2001 after we got through the the turn of the century <laughs> boy it sounds so old <laughs> back <in> my day <laughs> um things were changing and i just i was getting close to 40 and i was like you know i don't want to do this forever it's been fun but i want to move on and i wanted more control over my life and when you're an employed photographer for a newspaper, you do have a certain amount of freedom because you're not chained behind a desk and you can come and go. And like a friend of ours in Milwaukee said, when he went from being a lab man to being a, a, a news photographer, he said, the best part about being on the street is you can get a malt at any time you want. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I mean, the old school newspaper guys were just a trip. But it was, it was time to move on. And... I, I thought, well, I'll do weddings because it was very similar to do the documentary work I did. And then we moved to California besides. So it was like, not only did I quit my perfectly good job, but we moved to California where I didn't have any clients. Yeah. But that's okay. That's what's fun. Yeah. So how's uh, the relocation process? Oh, well, it's taken a while, but, you know, we've been here now. I've been here longer in this house than I was in the house I grew up in. Yeah. So it's been, and the same thing for my wife. <laughs> And when we thought about that, it's like, wow, it's been pretty cool. We've been here for 14 years. Found yeah. a home in California. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I could go anywhere else. That's the thing. It's just, especially for the kind of work that I do. I mean, I make portraits of people in my home all year round. And where else could you do that? Not uh, Canada, maybe, I guess. If you You'd have to. Have a studio, and it's just. Yeah, but not like here. No. And the Western light is something special, yeah. so. Yeah, even like every day that I've ever been anywhere around here, even when it's overcast, the lights I know, better quality something than something back at home. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what it is either. It's something about the West. Yeah. And I remember when I was a, a kid in college, and I was reading about this photographer for Sports Illustrated named Andy Haight, who's um, still a friend of mine, and I used to admire his work and want to be like what Andy was. But he would always talk about that West Coast light, at especially in winter, like December, because he would do... Like one of the photos they showed was him covering a San Francisco Giants or San Francisco 49ers football game in December, like a playoff game. Yeah. And the winter light is insane. And it's just like so beautiful. How's it different? I'm I, I, I don't know. Now. I don't know. I mean, I, I think part of it is the way the earth, the angle of the earth, yeah. you know, because it's tipped. So shadows are longer in winter as opposed to when in the summer when it's more overhead. Yeah. So winter light is especially great. And then for me, I've noticed when I shoot at the beach in the in the winter, the weather patterns are different. The wind is different. The the waves are different and the clouds are different. The best sunsets I've seen in California are in January, December, January. That's very I don't know why. That's the opposite of what I would expect. Yeah, I've but it's like, and like, like I tell people when I go to photograph them in the beach and they're thinking, oh, we didn't do it in the summer. I said, oh, you you lucked out. This is the better time to do it anyway because the light's better, the beach is less crowded, and but it's about the light. And the light in winter is sick. The best portraits right. I've ever Coming made back. in the beach are in December, January that's, and December. I've never heard anyone talk about that before, yeah. so that's really cool. Yeah, it's it's wild. But I've done so many beach sessions that I've like watched this and I'm like... like why do I like these photos? Oh, I know why. Because I, I never get this, that sky like I get in January in July. All right, coming back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so now you have transitioned to Sony. Yeah. Um, 
what was that like going from you were Canon prior to Sony? Yeah, Sony. for Canon for 30 years almost. And I went to Sony because I knew that there had to be something better than DSLR. I thought it was getting a little long in the tooth. And my lenses were getting old and I needed to replace them anyway. So I thought, well, why not look at them? I wasn't sponsored by Canon anymore, so I didn't have any, I didn't have to stay with them. So I thought I'll check everything out. I checked Nikon, I checked Fuji, I checked Olympus, I checked Lumis, Lumix, I checked even Samsung. And I thought, hmm, I checked Sony too. And at the time, nothing quite struck my fancy because everything was small sensors until the A7 came out in 2013. And I tried it at first and I kind of liked it, but I wasn't in love with it. I was kind of disappointed with the performance. And then in the spring of the next year, 2014, the A6000 came out and that had 11 frames a second tracking predictive autofocus. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's a pretty big step. For that's a big step for a little tiny camera that was 500, 600 bucks. And they had a 70 to 200 F4, which I needed for the work I did. And I tried it within a day I knew that, no, within minutes I knew that that was where I was gonna go. And I saw, I looked at where Sony was going and how much they were investing in it. And I thought, I'm gonna take a risk on these guys because I think what they're onto is the next thing. And I believe that they still are onto it. And now with the A9, it's like the realization of the dream I had in 2014, which was a tiny camera that's as big as a Leica but as powerful as a 1DX or a D5 in terms of performance. And that's what I've got in the A9 now. So it's, it's crazy that they're there. Like oh, where, where do they go from there? Like oh, that's I just, be... I don't, I don't know. I, th I think the future is going to video, 8K video, and we'll do stills mm -hmm. from it. But I don't know when that's gonna be there. I've given up predicting stuff like that because I was so good at predicting how long film had to last. I figured I better stop doing it for <laughs> digital. So I'll, I'll just like, you guys keep making it. I'm going to keep using it to make photos and make money yeah. and make photos that I love. So I'm happy with where they're at. So yeah. I actually, I had my first moment where, um, even with my Nikon D500, um, shooting 4k video, um, we were in Alaska, I guess like two days ago. There's a story that goes along with that. Oh, you we'll world traveler. You. <laughs> um, anyways, photographing bears, really challenging. Yes. Um, because the bear is on top of the waterfall catching salmon that's like jumping into his mouth. And he kept doing it over and over again, luckily. So like he would eat a salmon and walk over and eat the salmon and then go back to the same spot and grab another one. Uh, and to catch like the exact like decisive moment, I think I failed six or seven times. And I'm like, I'm just going to shoot 4K because the light's good. Like I'm not going to have to do much to this still. Um, bump the shutter speed up so that I know that everything's good and sharp. Tack, yeah. And then shot it, and you can pick whichever like, the one exact you want. moment that you want. It's like, oh, that, I want this tenth of a second rather than this one. And that's where we're going. Yeah. I think that's where we're going to go. And I, you know, I'm not worried about that. I, I know, I know they'll handle the all the problems that are going to come with it in terms of like files, number of files, and way to kind of sort it maybe we'll be able to sort it with a with a finger you know like a shutter button or something yeah. but i'm nice excited if, about it yeah i'm thinking if it's if there's some level of automation in it that it knows oh, like artificial intelligence kind yeah of stuff. it's like here's probably the like if you shoot a wedding like that that here's probably the thousand images that you'll yeah so then it just kicks oh that's a great them. idea yeah i yeah. see what you're saying yeah it kind of almost does a pre-edit for you based on kind of like some thought about what historically people would want to see from a wedding yeah, yeah. that's a good idea so we'll see. Maybe someone will listen and code this software. I'm sure, I'm sure somebody it's in development already. Oh gosh, <laughs> I I I'm just like 
you guys do what you do and I'll do what, what I do, which is take these boxes and make something with a, with a camera and a lens. But I don't begin to even want to tell them how to do what they do because I can't even fathom what they do. And I guess that's kind of part of the problem. It's kind of like the same with Apple that they would make things kind of before you realize you needed it. Exactly. You almost like meet it sometimes with rejection. It's like, no, like I don't, like I'm not going to use that. And then three years down the road, you're like, yeah, I can't live without it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after you've adopted it. Yeah. Um, so I guess the transition, um, oh, the big thing great. for me was. Um, right speed, right? Well, right speed now, um, but also just like transitioning from an optical viewfinder that like I just love the look of like looking through like Get really expensive glass to an EVF. Oh, um, but like um, with Fuji, I don't love it. Like yeah. I, it's, it feels a little choppy and um, it's almost like gives you like a motion sickness, I guess. Ah, if you're moving a little too oh, much. Um, that's my feeling. At least um, I know that that's kind of... See, I don't get that with the Sonys at all. I, I did not either when I had I, the A9. And the thing is now I'm so spoiled by it. If I look through an opti optical viewfinder, it feels so weird because I want, I want to see what's it going to give me my exposure in real time. Mm -hmm. And since I do a lot of natural light portraits now, I want to see exactly what, where I'm at in terms of like look, color balance, exposure. So my, that, what that means is my post-production is like that yeah. because my exposures are consistent and I don't have to chimp. I was watching your video yeah. from Iceland and you kept looking on the back of your camera. Because I like, had no idea what the light was doing. Exactly, <laughs> and I don't do that because I'm you know. seeing it in real time. Yeah. And I don't even have to move my eye from the viewfinder because I can just review it right in the viewfinder. Mm -hmm. So it's... You'll get there eventually. It, I don't know when it'll be. And right speed, I wonder if they'll that'll be a firmware thing or a card thing. Could be. But I'm just like, this is where I'm gonna go. I'm I'm all in for this. And I just think that they're on to something big. I think they're on to the next big thing. They're on to what autofocus was in nineteen eighty seven. Yeah. Because that made Canon what they are today, back then. And I think what made them even able to do that was their AE one, which they sold a bazillion of in the 70s so all of this stuff like the a6000 is their ae1 it's a camera that they sell continue to sell tons of even now that's old by sony years that came out in 2014 yeah. and it's still last christmas was the biggest seller for them in that size sensor yeah. fun fact the nikon d750 which is I think Nikon's best wedding camera yes. also came out in 2014. Yeah. They haven't really made a better one since. Right. Which and is a lot of people crazy. say the D3S is their best high ISO camera that they've ever made, <laughs> which came out, what, in 2007 or eight. Yeah. So well, even like my D700 still holds up. Like Yeah, good old Sony side, sensors. Yeah, side, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And then I think in... Is it um, in the D5? Is that a Nikon sensor or no, a Sony? It's a Sony, it's a Sony sensor. Okay. Yeah. I have one camera with a Nikon sensor in it, and my other ones are all Sony sensors in my Nikon, yeah. which I think is super funny. Yeah, well, you're halfway there. Yeah, exactly. We'll get you there. Well, I'm, I'm going to get you there, man. I know this is, the Sony has got your name on it because yeah. of what you do. I mean, you do video and you do stills, boom, mm -hmm. just like that. And I mean, to me, there's nothing easier to do both than this. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, for those listening that... Uh, I guess, so basically I had a Sony A9 for an afternoon, and um, the problem was that... And I'm um, still talking to you. I know. <laughs> I'll get another Sony. I know. Um, but basically the problem was that on my D5, I'm I have... I'm doing my uh, Jedi mind trick right now. I'm being hypnotized. <laughs> you will be assimilated. Um, but yeah, so I, when I shoot photo and video at weddings, um, a lot of the time I am photographing like a moment really fast, and with the D5 currently... 
um, because it uses XQD cards. They're just a lot, like, they're yeah. infinitely fast. Right. And the buffer in it just doesn't exist. So as soon as I take a picture, I can shoot, like, probably 50 frames of raw files and then hit the button to go to video. And that kind of half second to just basically flip the mirror up to turn on live view. Um, as soon as the mirror's up, I can start recording video. And there was, like, maybe, like, a four-second lag if I kind of did the same thing. Yeah. Um, the workaround is what I do with the D750, which also has... Uh, that has the worst buffer of any camera oh, okay. that's ever existed. Um, but I have to shoot video first and then oh. flip to photo. Oh, okay. So, oh, that's good to know. In the sense that, like, if a bride and groom are walking down the aisle, I have to shoot the video clip first with my D750, and then, ah. then I'll pop to photo. Um, but I've just become... I like the experience of shooting with the D5 better because I like taking pictures because I'm there primarily as a photographer. Right. Um, so I think that video should come kind of secondary to that. And you can mm, still make a great interesting. video. Yeah. Um, secondary, but um, I would rather make sure that I yeah. 100% have those photos of those like really important moments. Got it. That, um, ma- that makes sense. I, I get that. I, I totally see that. For me, one of the things that helped me was the fact that the A6000, the 6300, and the A... Oh, sorry about that. That's going to take a few minutes to go through. That's okay. Sorry about that. You guys have a landline. things really strangely because like I feel like <laughs> oh my god so one of the things that happened was when I was doing when I first started with Sony I did a football project and I shot stills and I shot video and I would go from one to the next and part of it is is I couldn't hammer the buffer because the buffer wouldn't take it for stills mm-hmm. and so maybe it kind of kept me a little tighter in the way I was shooting as compared to the old days with 35 or with DSLRs I don't know, but I've kind of adopted to the way that the Sonys go, and I understand that there's that, that buffer gap. or But less, I find it so much better. Maybe it's because the A9 is just so, so much better than the previous cameras that it just feels like so free compared to what it was. Um, I guess like the other positive for Sony is that the video footage, just with the stabilization, oh. off, it is so much better than Nikon. You it's, can actually do things to the footage, whereas with Nikon, it's like, whatever you see basically like you can't like even if you change the white balance like a little bit the footage just starts to break up and with sony you actually have oh it's a good file it's a great file they know how to make this stuff i mean they're a video (laughs) well it's in my nikon camera yeah (laughs) well i just i just feel like they just know how to do video and they know how to do stabilization because they've been doing it for so long and they crossed those worlds of stills and video long ago Mm -hmm. and to me, they're the they're they're the company, and the mirrorless companies in general are the companies that have the vision for the future. And the DSLR companies better wake up, or they're going to get their lunch handed to them if they haven't already. Yeah. What do you think about? I don't know if you heard the rumors of Nikon releasing a mirrorless camera at some point. Good. I'm glad because they better. <laughs> and Canon, I would think, would want to have one too. And I think it's great that they're all working that way. I just wonder. It's like they better get ramped up pretty quick. Because, I mean, Sony's got a pretty pretty good like head eight, start. Eight years behind. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, they put all that f- emphasis on their their POV cameras for, for Nikon. It's mm-hmm. like, God, guys, didn't you see that GoPro was, like, in having financial trouble? Yeah. Oh, well. Well, it's just that there's so many people in that space now that GoPro is the only 
real competitor in that space. And then it's too bad because I think the Sony little action cam is far and away, yeah, blows away what GoPros got. I mean, you've you've got this uh, 4K little camera that's got what they call their boss stabilization. Uh, what do they call it? I, I'm, it's it's like there's like a gimbal within the camera itself to keep the lens stabilized. You see it on their their camcorders, and yeah. it's like five-axis image stabilization on steroids. And then they've got an XAVCS codec, and I'm not sure if you can shoot S-Log with a 4K, but I mean, just the quality from these little 4K handy action cams is amazing, amazing. Might have to check one out. Yeah, they're, they're odd form factor compared to GoPro. If you're used to that square box, yeah. theirs is more like a fuselage, like a projectile. Mm -hmm. But I just think that what they've got going on is really amazing, and it's just too bad that they were the second one to market because they're better by far okay. to go to, to GoPro. But GoPro just was the first one, and early adopters grabbed that one. Yeah, and I think it was also it's kind of the Red Bull thing as well, where they just became a media company, exactly. and their marketing is like it's it's fantastic. Yeah, like they yeah. they're they're a brand above just being a camera. Like you could easily recognize a GoPro brand and have like no idea that they're even right that they make action cameras or something like that right um, yeah but I might check it out because my one limitation with GoPro that um, I've been discovering recently I love the versatility of it I love that you yeah. can um, I think that like basically it can do pretty much anything um, within reason that you could want a camera like that to do um, but the they have like this little dongle that allows you to put an external microphone in but the dongle is like the size of the GoPro, oh, um, because it also has like a charging port on it. Like it, it's, it's double the size. It doubles the size of the GoPro just to put a microphone in it. And there, I think the GoPro came out last, uh, the five came out like last October, maybe, maybe even before that. And they still haven't released like a microphone for it or anything. So anyone that does like a vlog or anything that uses, um, like a GoPro for audio, for the most part, they are still using like a four plus or whatever the last model was, um, because it allows you to put an external mic in, and yeah. So that's one of my limitations, but that's such an easy thing to solve, and I just wish that they would, because I know it's a known known concern. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so back to Sony. Okay. Um, what do you think the future is here with? Uh, well, I don't know for sure, but I think it's going to be involving video and stills, really coming together even more so. If you look at what RED is doing with their Helium camera, which I is, seen it yet. Oh, okay, so if you go check out Vincent LaFerre, he did a post, a video on this camera, and this thing shoots 60p for 8K, and they're all raw files. And so for him, that means he can shoot 60 frames per second full raw 32 meg files thinking about the memory storage <laughs> well that's a real cinema camera with yeah. a, with a real cinema hard drive scenario ssds and all that mm -hmm. stuff it's not like it, SD even card, sd yeah. cards or any of that stuff so i feel like that's the cinema solution and then the sony's are right now the kind of mirrorless cameras and then there's the FS7 and the FS5, and I think that those worlds are gonna come close together and somehow they'll collide. And I think we'll eventually be, my kids, will they ever shoot still photos? I don't know. But they'll have still photos that are probably frame grabs from video. Yeah. 
during that time. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as the raw editing flexibility is there, which I guess it already is in the cinema world. Oh my gosh! And that video showed it's a fairly for for a cinema camera. It's a fairly small form factor too, which is amazing. It's kind of built like a airy. The tiny Amira, I think, yeah. which is a smaller box full. It's a Super 35 sensor. And now you see that a lot of these cinema companies are building glass that covers full frame sensors, 24 by 36. So when you got Leica and all these other companies that are making lenses for cinema that covers full frame. It's clear. Yeah, <laughs> it's, where yeah that's, that's where we're going. Eventually, we're going to have full frame video, 8K probably. So those are going to be pretty, pretty amazing files. Yeah, let's have to photomechanical have to figure out how we can. Uh, Somebody will. Select stills. Yeah, I'm sure there will be a way to do it. I'm wondering if there's a way to kind of like tag a still with your shooting finger as it's running video. And then the other thing that was cool about the helium was is it it had a 30 second buffer that so it's constantly running in the background, and then you hit the button and it captures the 30 seconds previous. So it, it yeah it's ingenious how that works and you, that way you're not shooting all the time but you're still be able able to grab something yeah. when it when it's happening so. as a wedding setting even just for recording video of speeches because nobody ever comes up and tells you like hey the speeches are starting right um so just to have that 30 second buffer rolling exactly would be, would be a very helpful thing and right it would relieve a lot of stress i think yeah so I don't know where it's going to be ideally, but I mean, I think eventually it's going to, it's going to change the, the way that publications get images and it's, it's a video world. It's a video world. And that's where I think things are progressing very quickly. <laughs> yeah. A lot faster than you would expect, but yeah, a lot faster than my, uh, D750 from 2014. Yeah. There's been how many iterations? There's been the Mark twos have come out since then. Yeah. So the A7 came out and. I mean, 2013, December of 2013, the A6000 came out in March of 2014. The A7 Mark II came out at the end of 2014. And then in August of 2015 was the A7R Mark II. Then the fall came the A7S Mark II. Then the next year, the 6300 came out in 2017. Followed yeah. by the 65, like, pretty quickly. Six months later, yeah. yeah. And then the A9 came out April of this year. Wow. Yeah, so it's been quite a change. It's amazing that you remember the entire time. Oh, this is what I, this is, this is, I've been studying this for, you know, this is what I, this is what I do. I keep an eye on these guys. So. Yeah. No, it's amazing. I love the level of innovation and the fact that they're releasing multiple new cameras. So. Oh, I'm, I Because I miss buying things as a well, shooter. <laughs> part of it is, is, I mean... It's not that I just have all this this gas syndrome. Uh, I do like getting new toys, but I like getting toys that are really make my job a lot easier. And that's why the, I always say to people, try to get the most current body at, that you can get if you're going to switch to Sony because it's not like a DSLR where you can say, oh, I'll have a 5D Mark III and it'll be fine. No, you want to get, if you need this, the, the features of an A9, they're not in the A7R Mark II. If you want silent shooting at 20 frames a second, it's only in the A9. So you've got to stay current. But the technology not only improves so much, but the quality of the image, the color science seems to get better and better with each iteration of the camera. I don't know how, but it does. And the image stabilization got better, and the form factor seems a little better. And it's just 
it's the camera I use all the time. I mean, I'm going to South Africa on Sunday and I'll take three bodies, but I'll probably use almost all A9 for everything. But also your three bodies are going to fit into... A much smaller case. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to carry it in a backpack because we're, we're stopping in Paris on the way over, so I've got to have everything on me. And I'm bringing a small lighting case because I'm going to do some portraits, so my wife will have that in a small think tank roller. And I'll have a backpack that's an international size backpack with my lenses and my three cameras. Wow. And be all self-contained, which will be really fun. Yeah. Currently, my things are all spread out between a backpack and a rolling case. And yeah. I have two bodies and four lenses with me. <laughs> so I do like the form factor a yeah. lot better. Yeah. It just makes life a lot easier to travel. And I mostly do rollers and backpacks now um, just because shoulder bags tend to pull shoulders and backs out of alignment but um, these make it a lot easier to travel that's for sure awesome on that i think we will leave it all right thank you thanks. so much for having me in your home hey you're welcome let's go get some tacos a huge thanks to paul for being on this week's episode of the show if you head over to the show notes there is information about how you can lurk and maybe become friends with Paul on the internet. Uh, I am Taylor Jackson. And if you're interested in any of the weddingbusiness.co courses, uh, how to kind of craft your wedding photography skills, business skills, that type of thing, head over to weddingbusiness.co. And I will see you again next week.